Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN, a leader in veterinary medicine. I get to talk to so many great people on this radio show. I've been introduced to so many. Dr. Adam Chrisman is one of those. He is the chief veterinary officer at DVM 360. So this is where veterinarians go to read information in print about the latest and greatest that's happening. It's constant continuing education yes. because it appears all the time, every day in their email boxes. Also runs a series of well-attended, well-known veterinary conferences referred to as FETCH. We're here at the American Veterinary Medical Association Convention where you're speaking about ticks and tick disease. Yes, thank you so much for having me. What a great introduction, Steve. Well, you know, ticks and tick disease, that's something that it's like, yuck. Who wants to even hear about that? But I think it's very important because, first of all, isn't there more of it than ever? Oh, it's so bad. I, you think of all these natural disasters that we have experienced, what we're currently going through right now. Yeah. It is, it's, it's changing the landscape of everything from uh, all these different types of parasitic diseases. So, um, so, yeah, I think the timing of having a conversation about ticks is right on point. And just knowing the options that are out there for pet parents to be mindful of, to be more proactive than reactive when it comes to treating um, any tick-borne disease. Or preventing there. it even better. Absolutely, yep. Which we can. So many different ways you can, absolutely, whether it be through you know topical um, collars, the, the oral tablets, and then, of course, the Lyme vaccine, which is incredible for dogs. So, so uh, would it be fair to say that you should speak with your veterinarian about the right product rather than going – you know, because some products are readily available uh, online because everything's available online or at pet stores. Right. But even then, choosing the right product for your pet for where you happen to live. So in Chicago, the tick threat, by the way, and another thing. So yeah, I'll let you answer that first. Then I, I'll get to the other thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's so true. I, what You know what I love what pet parents do is when they – take pictures of products that they see online or they're in discussion groups and forums and they'll say, Dr. Kristen, what are your thoughts on this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes I may not have the answers right then and there with all, because there's, it's always changing and evolving. Sure. But I really give such mad respects to the pet owners that really want to get an answer. They're doing their research and that's exactly what you do. Then you bring it to the veterinary hospital and you ask these questions so we can kind of cater something, whatever that may be, whatever vaccine protocol or preventive protocol that might be. But we work collaboratively together for the greater good of the animal. So uh, we're in Chicago. And historically, uh, I don't know, 25 years ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation to a Chicago audience. It's a concrete jungle. Right. I mean, how can there be ticks? Well, at least one study that I'm well aware of demonstrated that tick disease is common, common in Central Park in New York City and Lincoln Park in Chicago. And if it's in Lincoln Park, it's in other parks all over the city, too, and certainly the suburbs. Yeah, yeah. One of my friends is a veterinarian in Manhattan, and he says he has diagnosed Lyme disease more so ever than Manhattan than he was when he was in the suburbs practicing. Crazy. Which I found very interesting, too. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah, so it's not only a disease that if you live out in the country somewhere, it's a problem. Sure. Because ticks are – why are they everywhere? Well, I mean the, the, the landscape has changed. They're, they have evolved to be really tough suckers. <laughs> they really have. They've like, And that's where there's new product development. There's new research that's being done to figure out you know, uh, more ways to combat these diseases that are out there. Can we thank deer 
And also oh, yeah. mice, actually. Yeah. I mean, we think of the deer tick, you think of deer, and that's true. Sure. But uh, at a different life stage, it's those little white tailed mice that actually are responsible for it, and all sorts of other animals. So as we've spread out suburbia into what was at one time no suburbia, we are meeting those ticks where they live. Right. And not to mention, too, Steve, but we got to talk about our cats because yeah. they, they can also be found on cats. And then not just ticks, but fleas can go along for the ride as well. So, sure. And that's where a lot of these preventions that are out there, um, they cover both flea and tick. So, you know, it's one thing to treat and prevent you know, things on the dog. But if you have a multi-species household, we always have to make sure that we address our cats as well. Do you think tick disease is underdiagnosed in dogs? I think so. I do. I think part of it is because of maybe the cost of care. Um, now more so than ever, it's uh, we might be doing what we need to get done versus you know what could be more proactively done. So I also think that if someone has a dog, it's the dog say is twelve years old. The dog is limping every once in a while. The owner doesn't think anything about it because it's an older dog. Right. And also, one of the signs of uh, most tick diseases, as far as I know, is that. They're just feeling kind of crummy. Mm-hmm. Well, dogs can't wake up in the morning and say, I'm not feeling great today. I'm just not with it. Right. You just don't even think twice about it. Some pet parents might not even notice no. that that's the case. I mean, the signs can be subtle, but sometimes for Lyme, for example, can can be quite serious. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had a patient a couple years ago, uh, 11-month-old, you know, black Labrador retriever. I'll never forget this, too, because I feel terrible uh, that the this dog ended up having Lyme nephropathy, so kidney failure, and then ended up passing away from it because it was so severe. And, you know, it's not that common, but it, it is out there. You can and see. And when it happens, there's not hits, much that can be done. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. And, and we don't want our dogs to be uncomfortable. We no. don't want them feeling lousy and And the other thing about ticks, they like to share pathogens. So it's not Lyme alone necessarily, is it? No, you can have the trifecta. You can have anaplasmosis, ehrlichiosis, Lyme disease. There's even other ones like Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. So, yeah, there's a whole boatload of other tick-borne diseases that are out there. And for cats that do go outside, you know, so the good news is, so as you know, I have a kitten. And we take that kitten out in a stroller. Groucho. Yes. And I know you follow Groucho. Groucho on TikTok. Yes, we got to give him a plug. We you're, love them. You're the I king of TikTok. Oh, we'll Steve. talk. What's your TikTok? Uh, it's uh, at drdr.adamchristman52. Uh, the most entertaining TikTok <laughs> you'll ever see. You'll never see dachshunds, though, on that page. Never. Never. never I don't never. know what you're talking about. No. <laughs> so Groucho, we protect because here's a cat. We don't think of Groucho's not an outdoor cat. Groucho never goes outdoors on his own. But we do take him places, and more and more people do that. Or catios now. That's the thing. But they need to be protected. In my world, anyway, they should be protected against fleas and heartworm in particular. However, if the cat's going out, that cat really needs to be protected. Sure. Yeah. You know, that's what I love in your TikTok video when you're at the veterinary hospital and the veterinarian was putting the application yes. on Groucho to show. I mean, one, it's it's easy, but it also, you know, it's a good, you're being a good advocate for cats that need to have those preventions on board. And indeed they do yeah. because cats can get tick disease, not to mention fleas, heartworm right. spread by mosquitoes. But there is one kind of tick disease called cytozoonosis. It's not everywhere, but if you live in that part of America... 
the good news is we can do more than a few years ago, I believe. Right. But the bad news is many cats still just don't make it. No, they don't pull through, unfortunately. Yeah. With that. yeah. But we're going to pull through more with Dr. Adam Chrisman. We are going to laugh and smile and demonstrate that that is the best medicine when we come back on WGN. Welcome back. Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN with Dr. Adam Chrisman, who is the Chief Veterinary Officer of DVM 360. You may not know DVM 360. There isn't a veterinarian, I don't think, that isn't familiar and probably doesn't get the emails every day in (laughs) in their email box with really cutting-edge information that ultimately is communicated to all of you. Yes, it really is. We do a a really good job in trying to be like the mainstream media for veterinary professionals. So um, whether it be hot topics, press releases, new research, um, and it's great to say on top of it, it's part of like the continuing education of vet med. Oh, absolutely. Not to mention the veterinary conferences that you organize that educate veterinary professionals uh, called Fetch. Yes. You know, it's not easy to be a veterinarian right now at this time. No, it's not. So give me the veterinarian's perspective. The pandemic has ended or it's not, depending on your definition. Things have opened up or not, depending on where you are in the country. Clients are coming in in record number because, good news, record number of pets. But at the same time, like so many professions, people have left during the the pandemic. People left the veterinarian, not only veterinarians, technicians, front office staff, uh, many, many veterinary clinics are down yeah. by a, quite a number of employees, maybe 20% of them, yet 20% more, yeah. as I alluded to earlier, pets coming in or wanting to come in, all happening at the same time that people are on edge. Yeah. think Just think about that for a second. I mean, what... You know, you, I can't think of any other profession where you have multiple species involved. So you got people, stress, animals, you know, we can't, they can't talk to us, you know, and we don't have the support staff at the same time. There's a veterinary hospital, one of my friends that owns, and he actually turned into a receptionist and technician. All their veterinarians have turned into, their their shifts now evolved into taking a couple of hours of being receptionist plus what? technician. Yeah. Really? Because of, that's how down their support staff is right now. Wow. So um, it's a serious problem. So, you know, compound that on top of the mental health that, that, that just in any profession, what that could do to somebody at the end of the day, dealing with the highs and lows of veterinary medicine, inflation, prices, um, you know, there's product shortages that are out there, back orders, the list goes on. So how do we be happy in veterinary medicine? How can we continue to still continue to find that why and live and love what we do every day? And I always say, we really are blessed to be in the best profession on the planet. We are doing incredible work and we're giving voices to the voiceless, taking care of both sides of that leash or cat carrier or whatever you want to call it. Um, but you got to find humor. And my number one thing that I always say, part of my legacy, Steve, is I always say, I really want Part my of your legacy? You haven't been around that long. But you don't have Where to be going? around that long to have a legacy. You don't have to be. You know, like we just learned about today, you know, you have a legacy just from leaving from one room to the other. And... <laughs> And I, I really do that. Mean was that. the keynote speaker at the conference we're attending that you're yeah. referring to today. Yeah, and she spoke very highly about that, too. Like, you don't have to be gone to leave a legacy. You can literally just leave a room and have a legacy right there. And I, it really resonated with me because they said that's exactly what I, how I feel in Vet Med, that I want my colleagues to realize that life is too short and you can't take yourself too seriously either. There's time and places, of course, to, to know when, it, uh, when you have to be, but you really... You can't. 
You just can't. How about for pet parents? I mean, the human animal bond is more, uh, more intense yeah, okay. than, than it's ever been, which overall is a good thing. But is it sometimes are pet parents sometimes overdoing it? I mean, listen, you're talking to a doxaholic here, so... You know, Referring I to mean, your 12 dachshunds. Right, I mean, I, I'm like John and Kate plus eight for dachshunds <laughs> over here, so... <laughs> like, I mean, is there, like, uh, an intervention, an interfrenching that's going to happen for me? I mean, Interfrenching, I, meaning I, French bulldog you'd get? Or? No, like, your friends say, like, you know... Oh, I need friends. To, like, Steve, okay. like, Adam, listen, you know, we need to chat about this. I mean, I'm the host of the Wiener Walk in... <laughs> New Jersey, we have three yeah. dachshunds that come on board. So, but no, what's wrong with that? Well, okay, so you just went through something. Explain what you just went through with one of your dogs. Yeah, so, so veterinarians are pet parents too. Yes, and I, I really do like to stay humble about this because we all go through it. And um, and I reacted very similar to I think any pet parent would. To see your dog, what, mine was Carl, a uh, five-year-old um, wire her dachshund. Just, he didn't even jump. He just went to, we were just going to lift up to go to the bathroom. And he went down for the count in the back, just screaming in, in pain that he was doing, rolling around. He couldn't get comfortable. He didn't understand why. That feeling, and I thought of like our, our pet parents, I knew right away what was going on, but some may not. And just to feel helpless, the fact that you're seeing your animal in this unrelenting pain, no wonder why we love them so much, right? We, yeah. They, they, they have been through something unprecedented with us through COVID and this pandemic. And it's the least that we can do is to step up when they're in any fear, anxiety, stress, pain, and suffering. So when I went through it, I was like, oh my gosh, I turned into a complete pet parent, but I knew exactly what needed to be done. And I do want to give a huge shout out to the best professional on the planet to see teamwork happen, Steve, from the front desk, from the CSR to the technician, to the surgeon, to the general practitioner. Everyone was just aligned and communicated things. And it was it was really incredible to watch. And he, you know, walked in 10 hours post-op, which was incredible. Because explain what what did happen. Yeah. So he had intervertebral disc disease. So he ruptured a disc um, in his back. And when that happens... It does tend to turn into an emergency where they need to be seen right away because timing is of the essence. I have been on the other side of that. As a veterinarian, one of my patients, they waited too long, and I had a permanently paralyzed dachshund for 12 years. He lived a great you know, life, but you had to express his urinary bladder. There's a lot of care that you have to do mm-hmm. about taking care of the down dog. So, um, yeah, so that definitely becomes um, concerning. But what, what kind of clients do you love it when they walk through the door. I love educated clients. I really do. And Steve, I'm, and that's why I said it's a great time to be a veterinarian. There are great resources out there that pet parents are involved in, whether it be groups on social media, they're doing their homework, they're doing their research. They're not undermining you. And I really want to stress that to our to our colleagues out there. They don't mean to undermine you. They, they're trying to find out just like what we're trying to do at the end of the day, what is best for their pet. And so I love the fact that they're bringing in I've, – I've never seen it more than ever, just even post-COVID or wherever we're in right now, that the amount of research that they're showing. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this? Even here at DVM360, we're noticing a 22-0% uptake of pet owners that are coming to our website and joining our webinars, which are high level. You know, Our audience yes. is more for veterinarians. But they're enjoying that, and they're sharing that with their veterinarian to say, hey, what are your thoughts on this new product, this new service, new research that's out there? And that's what it's all about. That's that's interesting and refreshing to hear because, uh, as you know, I talk with veterinarians all the time. And, you know, some number of years ago, the professions changed a lot and in a short period of time. Some number of years ago, veterinarians would say, well, I don't want 
clients talking to me that way. But the reality is that, and I pointed this out, that you do the same thing when you go to Target. You look up products and compare products online. It doesn't necessarily – it doesn't mean at all that there's mistrust. No. It's just another way to learn more. It's exactly what it is. When I go to my own doctors, I do my own homework and research, but I don't mean – I'm not there to undermine them by any means. It's just what are your thoughts on this or – you know. so I agree with you. I think that is the new normal way of, of learning. I like to keep the pet parents in the driver's seat, the veterinarian, the professionals. I would say we're in the passenger seat. And, you know, the car is the way in which we're helping them drive to make those decisions for the greater good of that animal. Well put. Now, I have one more and the most important question. Uh Uh-oh. What is that TikTok? Oh, I thought you were going to say another dachshund. I'm like, what? Where is he? Is there another dachshund that's here? Um, no, you're getting three more by tomorrow, probably. <laughs> Look under your chair. There's a brand new dachshund. TikTok is uh, at Dr. Uh, Adam Crispin 52. Dr. Adam Crispin 52. Dr. Adam Crispin 52. Thank you. My pleasure. Poor grandma. She thought she was losing her mind so much so she consulted her doctor asking about cognitive decline. Uh, Here's why. She kept losing things. She collected plastic figurines, and some appeared to disappear. She thought they had them, but they weren't there. A brassiere she tossed onto her bed was soon gone, and she couldn't even at one point find her false teeth. That was the last straw. So with very few teeth in her mouth, She told her doctor, with a lisp, that she must be losing her mind. Her doctor referred her to a neurologist who said, You seem just fine to me. Uh, Grandma wasn't so sure, though. That was until a housekeeper noticed a treasure. Plastic figurines, a plastic spoon, brassiers, a hand towel, various plush dog toys, and her dentures all under the bed. The apparent culprit, Pepper, her Yorkshire Terrier. That's right. Reporting her sweet little Pepper is indeed a kleptomaniac. If Lou Grant loved Spunk, he would have loved Susan Lee's dogs. But come to think of it, Lou Grant didn't love Spunk, did he? Right? He said, I hate Spunk. Well, no matter. 61-year-old Susan Lee was just minding her own business and Stratford, Vermont. She was hiking, and she tripped over some stones. The next thing she knew, she heard a loud noise. She felt a pain in her leg and heard barking all at once. That's how fast the black bear attack occurred. Her Jack Russell Terrier and Labradoodle stood the ground when the bear was there, and the bear ended up retreating, but biting her left leg in the process. So the good news is the barking dogs distracted the bear. She and her dogs were able to retreat further down a trail. She called 911. A neighbor helped transport her to the Gifford Medical Center where she was treated and released. According to a news release from the Vermont Department of Conservation, the bite was minor. She was scratched. It's unusual for a black bear to attack anyone unprovoked. Wildlife officials say they determined the bear was a female with cubs in the area and was provoked by the surprise of Lee and her dogs. In fact, the black bear was just being a responsible mom. That's all. And in fact, Ms. Lee understood that. I'm not sure the dogs understood that or not. We'll be back next week bright and early right here on WGN.